0: It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your Lawn and Garden questions at 404 872 750 or 1
1: 800 WSB Talk.
0: And now, here's Walter.
2: It's 607 at News Talk. WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful. Doing whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me what you want to do. If you want to do it, I want you to do it. I want you to put it off. I want you to do it right now. I want you to do it right. I want you to do it wrong. I want to tell you why you're doing it right or wrong. Just whatever you define success as in your landscape, I can help you get there. All you have to do is call me. 404-872-0750. I have bunches and bunches of research-based advice based on a whole lot of experience (laughs) on my part that I will bring to bear and we will answer your garden questions while you wait right here and hopefully bring a little happiness into your life as well. My friends, I am not happy today because one more time I have failed to think of the consequences of walking around in tall grass and there could be little critters little eight-legged critters in the grass which crawled up my legs and bit me and now they're in places up and down my left leg that it takes me about four hands to keep satisfied all during the morning today I'll be going to hear the slight little as I scratch through my pants because chiggers, yes, chiggers have come to rest on Walter's body once again I usually get chiggers about twice a summer this is my second time and uh, I know exactly where I got them. I know exactly where it was. I went down to see my mom, as I usually do on Wednesday, and saw that the grass was getting a little long around her bathtub gardens behind the house. And the poison ivy down by the oak trees was getting a little lush. And I thought, I need to mix up some Roundup and go down and spray. And so I mixed up the Roundup and sprayed, walked into the tall grass, walked into amongst some shrubbery and things surrounding the poison ivy. And about two days later, I'm sort of thinking, hey, what is, oh man, my, my kneecap, ooh, right here underneath my, where my underwear band comes around my waist, what is going on there? It's itching, itching like crazy. Chiggers. Now, there are those of you who believe that chiggers are still sort of embedded in my skin. That is absolutely wrong. That's not what chiggers do. The adult chiggers, as a matter of fact, lay their eggs and have little babies, little larvae, little immature chiggers, which hang out on the tips of pieces of grass. This is exactly where they live, because that's where the dogs and the deer and other creatures, including human beings, will walk past and just gently swish that grass against your body or against your clothing, and that's when the little immature chiggers jump off and get onto your skin or onto your clothing and start crawling upwards until they find something that's uh, protected someplace they don't think you're going to be scratching for very long, and they... Embed themselves for just a little while. It doesn't take them long. But they inject a saliva-like stuff that keeps the blood flowing so they can suck your juices, your human bodily fluids, (laughs) into their bodies, and then they drop off. But the stuff that they injected into your skin is what causes the itch reaction. The histamine is released, and the itch reaction starts. And so no amount of putting nail polish or Vaseline or anything else over that, that itchy place is going to make any difference in the world. I mean, psychologically, mentally, if you want to do that, it's fine with me, but it really doesn't do anything to kill or suffocate or do anything to some chigger that's embedded in your skin because they're not there anymore. They drop off within a couple of hours and go about their business making other baby chiggers. So the only thing that I have found And I may try it later on this morning. If Ashley will please go get a cup of coffee, (laughs) she'll bring back a nice hot mug. Of course, you probably won't want to drink the coffee after I do what I'm about to describe, which is to take the edge of a very hot mug and just put it right there on the itchy place. And the heat of a hot mug, of a hot washcloth, I've been so desperate. Sometimes I use the edge of a car hood, a black car hood. I used the edge of a light bulb one time. just held the light bulb right there. Oh, what a relief. What a relief it is. So it has that little bit of itch to go completely away. So heat is the only thing that I have found that's reliably going to cut the itch. Now, Yes, of course, you can take the um, various little ointments, the painkilling ointments that have uh, various kinds of painkillers in them. They'll work too, certainly. But for me, heat's the way to go. Cheap, easy, easy to apply Put it down. There you go. Chiggers. I don't like them. And if you hear me scratching, I just found one underneath my armpit right now. Oh, man, it's hard to get to that thing. <laughs> we'll have a little chigger treatment a little bit later on this morning. We start off the morning with our friend, our friend who has a a, a, a gathering of people who enjoy talking or listening to her talk to me, Nicole in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. I met one of your fan club yesterday, Nicole. Uh-oh. <laughs> and she said specifically to tell you hello, I can't tell you how I met her because it would uh, violate some uh, HIPAA rules of privacy, but I will just say that someone who works in a in a medical facility, let's put it that way uh, gets up and walks and used to on her trips back home from the the hospital when she was working overnight she would listen to you and me talk and she really wanted to know you know how you're doing if you're doing well and I told her I would tell you that her fan club is uh, appreciated and that you're doing well.
0: Thank you. Did you do that in short or long pants? Shorts. Ah, ah! It wouldn't
2: have mattered. Well, I guess it would have mattered a little bit because with long pants, they would have to climb over the cloth and up to my <clears throat> waistband where they'll all concentrate around your waistband, but with shorts, I'm sure they started at my ankle and went up. Looking, hey, where's where's some fun place to get on water and lay in for a few hours?
0: You see, I go and get blackberry every year. Oh man, blackberries,
2: chiggers and blackberries go together like horse and carriage and love and marriage. Oh Why man, I don't
0: I get anything because I put tape around my ankle? <laughs> exactly. and I'm just like an armor <laughs> to go. <laughs> then I don't come back. But I got bit once. This year, one place Mm -hmm. that if you have to sit down for four or five hours, it
2: hurts. I
0: don't know what bit me, (laughs) Boy,
2: Scratchy, scratchy, itchy, itchy. Don't like those chiggers. But you're right. Blackberries and chiggers go together in my mind because when we were kids, I would go gather blackberries back in the mid Part of July, I guess, and we would come home just covered up in chigger bites. My mother would put the pink calamine lotion on us, and it didn't do much. We would just sit there and be miserable for a while until the itch went away.
0: And the more you scratch, the worse it gets. Oh them. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They say amputation helps a little bit. Oh. <laughs> Occasionally, the amputation will work, but then sometimes it doesn't either.
0: So whoever saw you against a hot towel, must I say?
2: Yeah, it got it's hit. going to be a hot towel, or hot something. So what do we want to talk about today, Nicole?
0: Well, I went to the garden this, this week to make me feel better, to see if their stuff is old and all.
2: Uh, this is the garden in Griffin at the Experimental Garden, the University of Georgia. Has oh, that. it's
0: getting bigger and bigger every year. Terrific. And Tony retiring in November, and he said... It's it's getting bigger, but he said, I don't have any health. But anyway, uh, I was was sawing this big ginger. What do you think, Mr. Reeves?
2: I think that ginger is one of the unappreciated plants of a garden. I think ginger is an awesome plant. I have two kinds, actually, in my yard. I have one that's the white butterfly ginger, the one that's the national flower of Cuba that I got from a friend of mine uh, who gave me little pieces of root Three years ago now, I guess, Lindy gave me that, and it's now in a clump four feet wide and about six feet, five feet maybe, high. And so I have that clump, and then I went to the grocery store, oh, three months ago, I guess, and just got some ginger root from the grocery store and planted it to see what it would look like, and that's coming up, too.
0: So you have to have a lot of room, isn't it?
2: Well, you better not plant things real close to it. Ginger spreads by its roots, and that's how you keep it in check, is by continually digging up the roots and giving them away, or digging up the roots and eating them, one or the other. But ginger will spread. The roots spread pretty pretty rapidly.
0: So the new kind that I saw is a really small. The leaves are like lime color. Mm-hmm. Really, really good looking. and But the
2: the, the flower is in the bottom. Oh, so one of those hidden, they call it hidden gingers. Uh, sometimes some of the pine cone gingers are that way, but hidden gingers have beautiful, what was the color on the flower? White. Wow, nice. There's but some that the, are red and orange doesn't. that are really pretty as well. So hidden gingers, yeah. And so Tony thinks these are going to be hardy down in Griffin?
0: It, they are experiment on it. I know the big ginger is, but the smaller one. But I mean, you he, he plant it underneath tree with irrigation system <laughs> and a lot of moss, so they have the perfect environment. Yeah. You know. So, but then when you plant, when you bring some stuff at the house, they don't always successful because they have the perfect environment.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's the reason you don't see ginger grown much or sold much at nurseries is because they can't guarantee it will be winter hardy. And that is in sort of uh, opposition to the fact that I have a neighbor who has ginger in his yard. He's had, since I've lived there 20 years, I know, he's had the ginger in his front yard. And the clump that I've had, as I say, is at least three years old in the backyard. I don't know if the edible ginger is going to be quite that winter hardy, but... You don't see them at the nursery. You don't see plants at the nursery. That's why we have to dig them up and give them to our friends. The ones that we dig up, we say these are the ones that have survived for a while anyway in our landscape.
0: So imagine the field of big ginger that we eat. Yeah. And how the contrary. There must it must take
2: over though. <laughs> it must indeed. So you have to plow it up and chop it up and put it in the grocery store. That's exactly right. Well,
0: that's what we eat, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean there's many different kinds of gingers. There's the white one, the butterfly ginger that I mentioned earlier and the roots taste like ginger a little bit, but they're real fibrous and you wouldn't want to eat that. And then there's the edible ginger, which is a different kind of ginger, Zingiber officinale, and that has tender roots that you can eat, but I think it's not as winter hardy as the white ginger is. And the little hidden ginger that you found at the Griffin Experiment, Experimental Garden? I don't know. I don't know what hardiness it would have attached to it. We are
0: so lucky to we have lucky. all this
2: stuff here. We are lucky. We have so many things we can grow, so many things we can observe, so many things we can learn about and enjoy. And sometimes, like you said, Nicole, you just want to go down to the garden to feel better about life because it just makes you feel good to see a flower or something growing.
0: Well, I was feeling bad about my garden. I said, cannot be all I do. <laughs> but then no. again, Donnie oh. said, water summer. I said, yeah, yes, Right,
2: right. Summer. Go where they, where our tax dollars support that water. and That would be a good place to go and enjoy. Well, I'm looking at the clock, and i got to get out of here, Nicole. It's so pleasant talking to you again. Right back here. We'll see you next time. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. It's 618 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. Leave me alone, little chicken. On my
3: legs. Leave me alone, little chiggers.
2: Fabulous song, Scott I'll Maxwell, fabulous music engineer for the show. Back, y'all. Let those little chiggers leave me alone. All right, time for a weather update, brought to you by Ackerman Security. The weather today is pretty much SSDW. What does that stand for? Same stuff, different weekend. Of course, hot, muggy. Afternoon highs in the low 90s, slim chance of rain, showers will pop up throughout the day. And tonight, mostly clear, with only 10% chance of stray showers over the evening. Low temperatures in the low 70s, like it is right now, 73.3 degrees. We'll be back with more of the most accurate and dependable weather forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and 8 750 wsv Joe is out of Lilburn, and Joe joins us mm-hmm. on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Joe. Good morning.
4: Hi. Hi. We have a couple fig trees in our yard, and we've had just a prolific harvest this summer, awesome. giving away hundreds of them, making several pots of preserves. And so our son sent us this article that I believe was in the New Yorker magazine or yeah. New York Times about the wasp, there being a dead wasp in every fig. <laughs> and then I sort of discounted that, and then I saw it on Facebook yesterday.
2: Oh, it's got to be true if it's on Facebook. Yeah,
4: yeah. So went to work today after taking figs to them several times, and people said, or yesterday, and um, taking figs to them several times, and they said, ooh, did you know there's a dead wasp in there? And I said, there can't be. <laughs> so I tried to research it, but wanted your take on what. What the real story is? I
2: actually know because I read the the article in the Times, and I noted immediately when I read the headline underneath the picture that accompanied. The headline said, "Figs uh, all like all figs are pollinated by wasps," and I thought, "Well, that's not true." And then I read down through the article, and the article itself said, "Most figs are pollinated by wasps." And the truth is, the figs that live in California, the ones that we... the Calmyrna is a type of fig that's grown all over California to make the fig Newtons that we eat. And Calmyrna figs, yes, indeed, do depend on a wasp for pollination. And she does go inside and walk around for a while taking pollen from another kind of fig that they have going nearby. And the wasp does indeed perish inside the fig, but the enzymes inside the fig, it's a little teeny-weeny wasp, and so the enzymes inside dissolve the wasp's body, and so... It may be a little distasteful, but nothing really to worry about. The crunchy feel, the crunchy stuff that you that you have inside a fig newton is just the seeds, and so no, no, wasp bones are broken in eating a fig newton. And the figs that grow in Georgia, the ones that you harvested so nicely and gave to your coworkers, they do not require a wasp for pollination, and so you can tell your coworkers they are just fine to eat What's those figs and bread.
4: Okay, great what is the actual time that we could prune this tree back because it's growing or these trees they're just growing too tall to get all the figs
2: you know i think that with figs gradual and often is a whole lot better than whack it back at one time and so if you wanted to after the fig Harvest has been done, which is now. You could uh, harvest them, you could, I mean, prune them back now a little bit and then prune them back some more in December and then prune them back to the final shape that you like in late February. And I think you'll get a lot better production after that than you would if you just wait till February and whack everything back to six feet tall.
4: Okay, okay, Uh, great. All right. Thanks so much.
2: My pleasure talking to you, Joe. Thanks so much for that interesting question. I was happy I knew the answer for that one. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. It's 6.35 at Newstalk WSB. It's Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful and bring a little happiness into your gardening life. If you have questions about watering, that's something that could be discussed today because there's been a slight, slight, slight change in what the watering rules are now and what they possibly could be in the future. Nothing to worry about, but if you have a question about watering and what's going on with that, you can give me a call, 404 872 0750. Tim is out in Jasper and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Morning, Tim.
1: Hi, Walter. Um, I live out in the middle of the woods, and a few months ago, we trimmed back, I don't know, about 20 or 30 trees because they were starting to grow too close to the house. Yeah. After I did that, it seems like the brush is really starting to take off, and uh, I'm wanting to clear out an area about 20 feet around the house. It's not real big as far as trying to get a bobcat in there. What would you suggest the best way to go about that would be? Uh,
2: how big are the trunks on the brush? Is it like little bitty half inch stuff, or is it an inch, or how big is the uh, brush? We're
1: yeah, talking? probably, uh, probably anywhere from a half inch to an inch.
2: Hmm. So no lawnmowers and bobcats no, don't no, work. Uh, but then you got to have a tractor yeah. in there to go around and around the trees. Yeah. Well, there's no,
1: there's no real trees at this point. Yeah. It's just the, uh, you know, where we took them out, uh, the brush is growing up now that the sun can hit it, I guess, yeah, in the sewer, area around the
2: house. Yeah, sure. Sun's coming in and brush is taking, taking advantage of the sunshine. Yeah. You know, I'm the kind of guy, a lot of times it just seems like a shortcut to me to use Roundup, to go in and just get some Roundup. And be careful. You don't want to spread on the trees that you want to keep. But as long as you. Are looking at things like privet and uh, Carolina Cherry Laurel and Smilax Vine and all those other junky things, briars and brambles and things that grow in there. For me, Roundup just works fine as long as I'm careful and don't get in on what I don't want to spray. Uh,
1: Well, let me ask you this. My thought was to go in and rent one of those uh, walk-behind brush mowers Home Depot. You could do that. And cut it down and then put the Roundup on it. But at the same time, uh, I didn't want to damage the soil just in case I ever decided to someday maybe grow a garden or yeah, something. Yeah, sure. That's not the immediate plants, but would that contaminate it to where it wouldn't be able to do that?
2: No. Roundup, uh, on the label specifically, and I, th- I trust this label, it says can be you can plant seven days after application because it's inactivated by contact with the soil, and uh-huh. I feel like that's true, and I don't have any problem in using it. One of the things, though, if you don't intend to immediately dig up all those roots and stems and things, and when you cut it down with the rental mower thing, get a buddy out there. Get somebody to help and have a little sprayer of Roundup in their hand walking behind you as you mow, because it's important to spray Roundup on those stumps immediately uh-huh. after they're cut because you want the stump to be actively having some xylem and phloem action where they're sucking the chemical down into the root system of the of the brush so it doesn't sprout back out again because you don't want to have to deal with it in six months. So if right. you get a buddy out there with a little sprayer and he or she sees where the stumps were left and just immediately goes and psh, 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 you can even put uh-huh. blue food coloring or red food coloring in your tank so you can tell exactly which stumps you've sprayed which stumps you haven't. Then okay. the Roundup keeps them from re-sprouting. The mower knocks them down to a manageable height. And you know, a year from now or next spring even, if you want to plant a garden, there's no contamination, right. no problems.
1: So, so uh, that was my other question, was should I spray Roundup while all of these tall weeds and brush are... Uh, before I cut them down or after but it sounds like you're saying it's okay to go ahead and spray that round up after you cut yeah.
2: it down yeah 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 on the stumps and get the mower out there and knock them down and you may need a yeah. third person to drag all the trash out from where you've been working with the mower out there to drag the trash yeah, yeah, yeah. out to give you a clear path of where you're going to cut next
1: yeah okay all all right. Right. I appreciate
2: it tell them hey and Jasper before me Tim alright we'll what see you think? soon Jeff is in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden hey Jeff good morning
1: Hey, Walter, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I have um, quite a bit of Bermuda grass growing in my liriope and wanted to find out if it's safe to spray Roundup um, over the liriope without killing it.
2: I'll kill it. (laughs) Roundup is non-selective enough to, or is, you know, it's going to kill. It's non-selective, and so it can't tell the difference between the monkey grass and the Bermuda grass, and that's the end of that story. But I have a suggestion for you, Jeff. Great. Go online, because I rarely see this. You can call nurseries around. You can call your pike and other small nurseries and see if they have any There's a couple of brand names. One is Vantage, and that's the most common one that I see. It's V-A-N-T-A-G-E, like Advantage, but Vantage is the name of it. And um, if they have that, read the label very carefully. But if I'm not mistaken, Vantage can be used to control grasses in perennials, and I believe the label says can be used in Liriope and Mondo grass and junipers. And those are three situations where Bermuda can be a real real menace, a real problem yep. so Vantage Cethoxidim is the name of the chemical you may be only able to find it on Amazon but uh, I've used it before on a juniper, that's where we used it and it didn't hurt the juniper at all and the Bermuda grass was pretty well controlled it took two sprays but it was pretty well controlled I really appreciate the advice thank right, you very Jeff. much, I enjoy the show Vantage or Cethoxidim that's the stuff we're looking for thanks Walter, have a good weekend You bet, Jeff. thanks for calling Bye. Doug is in Grayson, Georgia. And here's Doug on the air.
5: Hey, Doug. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. Um, you were talking a few minutes ago about wasps and figs. Yeah, sure. Uh, so is there a particular type in Georgia that does not, um, I don't know, attract the wasps?
2: Mm, no. No. Remember when I was talking about wasps and figs, we were talking about pollination and how yeah. when the figs are very, very small medium size, really. They need a wasp for pollination, but in my experience, the figs in Georgia, once they get ripe, every wasp in the neighborhood is aware of it. And as a matter of fact, I was asked, you may not or may know this, I guess, Doug, if you've heard me talk about figs before, but the figs that I actually refer to are figs between my property and my neighbor, and my neighbor is the one who owns those figs, but I eat the figs off of her property. And uh, this is a new neighbor, and she just moved in a couple of months ago, and I affirmed that I could eat her figs. And she said it was fine. And I said, they're so delicious. She said, well, how do you know when the fig is ripe? And I said, because it'll be brown, and there'll be a wasp on it. <laughs> she yeah. laughed and said, well, I don't know if I want to eat a fig with a wasp on it. Right. And I said, well, all you have to do is sort of bump the limb, and the wasp will fly away. Then you can pick the fig. And so there's nothing that I know of, Doug, that would keep a wasp away from a fig. The sugar is there, and the, that's right. what the wasp wants.
5: Yeah, so um, my father-in-law, before he passed, he planted some uh, fig trees in our yard, and we moved them to a better spot. And we had a proliferation that year, and we didn't expect it, and we went out to pick them, and they were swarmed with wasps. Oh, yeah. And uh, so since then, we try to pick them before the wasps come. Um, Mm. And like you said a while ago, this year we had a great crop. But I was just wondering also what kind – are they called brown turkey figs?
2: Probably. That's the most common variety that everybody just about has. All
5: right. And I'm not worried about the little baby baby wasps getting uh, caught up inside. <laughs> don't worry about them. And
2: honestly, I don't really worry about the big wasps, the paper wasps that are on my figs or my neighbor's figs next door. Because, again, they're Focus right there is the sugar on the fig. And if you just right. bump the limb a little bit, they'll fly away. They're not trying to attack you or anything like that. So right. as long as I don't just accidentally step on one, then they're mad. But as long as I just right. bump the limb, they fly away, and I pick the figs all I want.
5: Okay, great. Thank you for your help. Sure,
2: Doug. Thanks for calling. All right, bye. 44 minutes past the hour. That's Judy Stern. Judy's out in Canton. Here she is on the air with us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Judy. Good morning,
6: Walter. Good morning. Um, my question this morning is on Zillow I had planted a new section in June and didn't know if I should fertilize it now.
2: Mm, yes, it's about time. I think once it's rooted down well and by June from now, yeah, of course, it should be rooted down very nicely. Well, okay, only one okay. application of fertilizer I don't think is needed between now and cooler weather because as the... Nighttime temperatures cool off And hopefully that will happen sometime soon, yeah, Judy <laughs> It'll get cooler at night yeah. But once we get down into the mid-60s at night Then the zoysia pretty well stops growing And stops needing much fertilizer and So that's going to be mid to late September, I guess And So fertilizing now is fine But you don't okay. need to after middle September
6: Have you ever heard of the uh, it's, it's like a food chicken litter? It's like a time release. Have you? I don't even know the name of it, but it's chicken litter, and it's like little pellets, and you put it on your grass. And they, I was wondering, have
2: you? Oh, uh, well there used to, to be I a product it. called Chickapoo. <laughs> Chickapoo, as far as I know, not uh, did not stay on the market for very long. But I remember the name. I love the name Chickapoo. I know,
4: right? <laughs> well.
6: Um, Shoot, fuzzy. I don't know if I should use this or not. I guess
2: I'll just go back to the our. No, regular. I don't think there's be any problem at all. in using, I mean, you're talking to a guy who spent most of his life applying well, chicken true. manure to pastures. <laughs> I know chicken manure will make a pasture green. It'll make your make your zoysia grass green too. Sure. Yeah,
6: and it won't smell.
2: And I I usually not. Once they've uh, processed it a little bit, it doesn't smell at all.
6: Well, one question. One more question. My grass now. It was so beautiful last week before I cut it. And uh, it had grown really tall because we had gone on vacation. So when we cut it, now it's got brown spots all in it. Does it have a fungus?
2: Eh, probably not. Drought and other things cause... Cause grass to have little localized problems, but it's not the kind of thing that I want to say. Oh, Judy, go out and spray with the fungicide immediately. It's going to kill the okay. whole lawn. It's doubtful. Okay. It's simply heat, and heat is stressful for grass. Even though grasses, generally speaking, can tolerate heat, Bermuda and Zoysia are pretty heat tolerant. But still, they they get stressed out, and so things happen. But if you water it, fertilize it appropriately, then you're fine. Perfect.
6: Well, that's it. That's I'm finished. It.
2: All right, Judy. Thanks so much for calling.
6: Thanks, Walter. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
2: Coming up in the next half hour, Lewis and Roswell wants to know about would a fence keep bees out of his garden? And I do have some advice for Lewis. We want to keep the bees at bay and not have them aggravate him in his garden. Maybe a fence is not exactly the right thing. We'll figure that out together. Lee and Noonan has a sweet gum tree that's losing a lot of limbs. Lee, I've got exactly what it all is about, and it has to do with Physics. Yes, it does. Mary in Douglasville wants to know how to prune a hydrangea and by how much. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. What kind of hydrangea does she have? That's the important thing to find out. We'll be back with all of that right after this.
1: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Miller's weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. Hughes 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, for the lawn and garden advice you need.
5: It was a slow day, and the sun was beating on the soldiers by the side of the road. Well,
2: it's a slow day today. and The sun will be beating. Night. That's certainly true, Paul Shelly. Simon. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. There's something to be said for consistency, and I guess today's weather is definitely consistent with this time of year. Today it's going to be hot, muggy, highs in the low 90s, 20% chance of rain, and guess what? Overnight, more of the same. Overnight low temperatures in the low 70s, at 72.7 degrees right now. It allows most accurate and dependable forecast Comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Lewis joins us in Roswell. Hey, Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? I'm all right. What can I do for you?
3: I had a beautiful garden this year. I had
2: beautiful vines
3: and blooms and male flowers and female flowers, but not very much fruit. (laughs) All right. A couple couple years ago, well, last year I put a nice high eight foot fence around my garden thinking I was going to box it in to keep. Critters from eating my tomatoes, but uh, I didn't put a top on it. So right now there's an eight foot poultry wire fence around my garden. And my question is, uh, I've uh, heard you say that pollination was a uh, an issue when you have blooms and no flower uh, sure. fruit. Sure, sure. Uh, would would that be? Would that fence keep the bees from getting in there?
2: No. Sometimes when you have solid fences, and I know beekeepers who will, in respect for their neighbors, put a solid wooden fence around their bee yard to make the bees have to rise up away from the hives and go up about eight feet before they can clear the fence. And if you've got a neighbor next door who's a little nervous about bees who have small kids or something like that, then that makes sense The beekeepers are to be commended about that because the eight foot solid fence does keep the bees from going sort of buzzing close to the ground. They go up and over and then go about their business somewhere else. But a chicken wire fence, uh, the bee's gonna go right through it. I don't think they have any any slowing down at all as they go through the fence.
3: Really? You think they fly right through those
2: little I believe I believe Mr B can go wherever Mr B wants to in regard to okay. inch or two inch mesh chicken wire, yeah.
3: Okay, well I had I had Beautiful flowering, a uh, lot of plants. I had a couple of cucumber plants that had blooms and and buds and yeah. everything that didn't produce the first cucumber.
2: Let me give you a plant to try, a couple of plants to try next year, alongside your cucumbers and the squash. Get some Angelonia. As soon as Pike has Angelonia on sale, as soon as they have it out in the nursery, and they'll have it early in the season, so grab Angelonia and put it, just around up and down the row in your garden because if there's one plant that i see that has bees on it and it la- blooms for a long time during the summer it is angelonia and by bringing the bees in just to get to the angelonia flowers they're gonna look around and say oh man look at lewis he got some cucumber flowers here too the, the squash is over there nice pretty yellow flower let's go see about that and i think that angelonia is going to give you a lot of uh, sort of attraction for the bees coming in
3: should I plant around the perimeter or down the middle?
2: Down the middle. Area? Right down the middle, right beside. If you've got a little patch between two adjacent cucumber plants or squash plants and put a little Angelonia there, it'll make the garden prettier. Bring the bees in, and that's what you want. It is true. We do need pollinators. We do need ways of feeding pollinators, and there are several perennial as well as several annual plants. that do very nicely for that. Angelonia is one. Most of the salvias are another one that I plant regularly. The uh, Mexican heather is another one that brings in the bees pretty well in my garden. So you got a lot of plants, but look online for lists of pollinating, attracting pollinator, attracting plants and plant those in your garden. And I think it'll be great, Lewis. At 6.58, we'll be back right after news.